welcome to Your Career Podcast. If you're looking for inspiration in your career or job search, you're at the right place. I'm Jane Jackson, your career management coach and author of Navigating Career Crossroads. For more career advice and support, go to janejacksoncoach.com and find all you need to create the career of your dreams. Welcome to Jane Jackson Careers, a podcast to inspire you to take your career to the next level. In this podcast, I chat with amazing professionals who are leaders in their field and find out what's made them a success. Many of them have successfully made changes in their careers. They may have changed industry, changed job function, made big city or country moves, or taken the huge leap into entrepreneurship. I also share practical and actionable career tips for those who want to explore what to do next in their career and aren't sure about what steps to take to get moving. Subscribe to this podcast for regular updates or visit me at janejacksoncoach.com. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas introducing Jane Jackson Careers, a podcast that will inspire you to take control of your career and your life. Here's your host, Jane Jackson, career management coach and author of Navigating Career Crossroads. Be prepared to ignite. Well, hello and welcome to My Careers Podcast, where I interview inspiring professionals who have made fascinating career changes. Today, I'm very lucky to be speaking to Sharon Swift, the author of So You're Moving to Australia. An entrepreneur and seasoned expat, Sharon has been on the move since birth. She's lived across five continents and has experienced life and cultures of 14 countries over her lifetime so far. Sharon's move to Sydney in 2005 was her 18th international relocation. Sharon has spent her 14 years in the corporate life working for multinational organizations, including Siemens in the USA, Abbott Laboratories in Germany, Nielsen in the UK and WPP's Kantar Australia. Passionate about helping busy professionals, Sharon established her concierge business in 2011. Sharon is the founder of the Expat Concierge, which helps expats with all aspects of their move from the UK to Australia. She works on an intimate basis with executives relocating to Australia and helps many more via an online relocation tool, Settle2. As a veteran expat, Sharon has become a leading commentator for expats and wannabe expats too. She's an official Huffington Post blogger and contributor to the CEO magazine, Human Resources Director magazine and HR Monthly. Sharon has also been featured in Business Insider and many Australia and New Zealand magazines. She lives in Sydney with her husband Ian and a lovely chocolate Labrador, Dylan. So I'm delighted to have Sharon on the show today and welcome Sharon. Sharon. Hello, Jane. How are you? I'm very well, and I'm very <laughs> excited to find out all about you, world traveller. 18 <laughs> international moves. That's incredible, isn't it? it? It is. And I think it was um, in my destiny from an early age, for sure. Um, and I didn't really know anything different. I'm really beginning to embrace that and, um, you know, realise my value and, and just putting it out there for the world and, and hopefully help as many people with their expat aspirations. 
Mm, and hopefully during our, our interview today, we'll find out more about all the cross-cultural differences that you've noticed during your travels. But before yes. we talk about that, I'd like to find out about you in your early days, because obviously I want to find out about your career path and the entire journey of how you were led into entrepreneurship, because you had a fascinating journey. So tell me, when you were a little girl or when you were in your early teens, what career did you dream about? Well, I when I was born in in Singapore to um, an expat um, British father and a, a Singaporean mum, I, um, I I grew up all over the world and and had a very much a corporate um, sort of viewpoint of of a career. So my father was a lifer, as as you would say, um, and worked for a company for for thirty years of his life until he retired. So um, I had a very traditional viewpoint of of careers and and thought that my destiny would be you know in the corporate world similar to my father um so overall i'd say i had a conservative view of my future career due to my you know my upbringing and my schooling um i went a very traditional path of gcse's a levels and then university um and to be honest I had a bit of a tiger mother, I think, um, with my mother being Chinese. Um, I think there was a, a touch of tiger mother about her, um, although she'd never admit that. Um, so, you know, a profession such as the, the legal profession, for example, the medical professions were, were definitely on, on her radar for me. Um, but for me, it was just more about, you know, growing up with a strong sense of needing a very secure job to have a decent lifestyle. You know, my parents saw that pre-generation, pre-generation X and baby boomer type of generation where, um, you know, you, you have to be a hard grafter to, to earn a decent living and, you know, the rewards will come. So I didn't have any particular aspirations, but um, I just hope that a generic business degree um, would be nothing if not practical and a good foundation. Um, as the reality was, I didn't really know exactly what, what I wanted to do. Yeah, it actually was so many people when they go through high school and then they go to college and, and they take their degree really without knowing where it's going to lead them. And yeah. so I guess with a business degree, it was broad based enough that you think, OK, once I graduate, I'll figure it out then. Is that what happened to you? That is exactly what happened to me. And, you know, very, um, you know, my mother did try and push me into something, a tighter qualification, shall we say. So the law, um, you know, the engineering and those sorts of professions are really big on her radar. I was definitely influenced by that. But, you know, I, I didn't give in to that pressure. And I just thought, you know, I'm not a, a straight A student. I'm, I'm, I was definitely, you know, very average. I was good at everything, but didn't really seem to excel at anything in particular. So I just thought a business degree would just be very, would be very practical. Um, and, I, and I just followed that path and I don't regret it to this day. So, mm. And so what happened once you graduated? What was your very first job? So my first job was actually before I graduated, um, as a part of my degree, um, we had to spend a year in industry. So our third year was out in, in, in industry and I chose to go to Germany, um, not having spoken a word of German at the time. That was a bit of a challenge, um, especially as I'd chosen to speak um, or to learn French and Spanish um, and ended up going to Germany. Um, <laughs> Sharon, yeah. you sound very contrary. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just throw you in the deep end. So how did oh, well, it go in Germany? It was so I um I worked for a, a very large um 
pharmaceutical company based in the US called Abbott Laboratories. Um, and I spent that year discovering that I really did not want to work in finance. Um, I was helping to manage, you know, a lot of their inventory and, and work with numbers. And I really discovered that that was, was not for me. Um, once I'd returned to university and completed my final year, um, I got the opportunity to travel once again. Um, I think the, the nomadic, um, I have a bit of nomadic blood in me. Um, I ended up going to the East Coast of the USA and ended up working for Siemens in a, in a consulting business process consulting um, role. I really enjoyed that. But what I, um, what I, what I really loved at that particular role was a secondment that I got to um, a research, the Siemens research facility down in Princeton, where the university is based. And I actually just got down and dirty with a lot of product research and innovations. And um, that's when I really discovered that I loved, you know, just just um, pulling things apart and, you know, researching and just getting lost in, you know, a sea of information out there. So those are my first sort of two jobs um, in and around my degree. And then how did you end up going into the entrepreneurial route? Did you take a few more a few more steps first? Yeah, so I, I ended up working um, in Nielsen in the UK, um, which was definitely within the research industry. So I sort of stayed along that same vein. I spent five years in London working um, for them in a client service role, um, a further five years um, working for Kantar Research um, when I was in Australia. And it was really my move to Australia that made me realise that entrepreneurship is really something that could be on my horizon. I definitely didn't get that sense when I was living in the UK. I felt like a very small fish in a very large pond. But the the lifestyle in Australia and the, you know, the real, you know, give it a good go um, mentality, and I, I suppose the size of the economy here just felt that entrepreneurship and, and running a small business was definitely possible. So I started that um, once I got made redundant. Unfortunately, I was pushed off the cliff. It wasn't um, a decision that I made. But, you know, after a year of, you know, soul searching and, and deciding what I wanted to do, I, I decided that that was definitely the path I wanted to go down. Mm. You know, before we go further into the entrepreneurial route, I'm really interested in all this moving around that you've done, because you talk about going to Germany and then back to the UK. You grew up in, in Singapore and then you went to America. Those are very big changes for most people. But it yeah. sounds like you were able to make that shift from one culture in one country to another quite easily. What's the key to that? I think... Well, part of it, I guess, is just in my in my upbringing, in my immediate family. Um, you know, I grew up with a British father and a, and a Singaporean Chinese mother. So I suppose from from day one, I had exposure to two very different cultures, um, and obviously, you know, the associated families with you know the family visits back to Singapore and so on. But it really was my upbringing, and as I say, I didn't really feel like it was anything special for me it was my normal um to be on the move every you know three six to twelve months um you know i was just on the move and i just had to be very adaptable um, and have a very strong exterior from a very young age so when we ended up 
relocating back to the UK as a teenager for for my brother and I to continue our schooling, um, you know, in a more stable, you know, in a more stable um, environment. Um, it, it just wasn't really exciting for me. I suppose I was just knew I just knew that you know that change was going to be something. Um, that I wanted for my life. I, I really didn't feel necessarily at home in the UK, um, possibly because it was an association with, you know, a legacy of, of my father or my mother. And I suppose I just wanted to have the freedom and independence of choosing my own path. Um, so the the move to Germany, the, the move to the US, back to London and eventually to Australia was really my, I suppose, my way of finding something for myself um and I wasn't going to stay still until I really found my home and I really found you know feel like I found that in in Australia mm. you know it's such an interesting story we have a lot of parallels with with my life and your life as well because my father's English and my mother's Hong Kong Chinese and growing up as an expat as well we have this um third culture kid yes. syndrome Indeed. where nowhere is really home but everywhere is home and you end up being, you know, very, very adaptable. I haven't had 18 international relocations. I've only had five mm. um, from Hong Kong to San Francisco, London, Singapore and then Sydney. And I thought that was a lot, but you've had so <laughs> many more. But but I think that the more you you actually travel and live and experience different cultures, it makes you very adaptable um, and also quite resilient to change as well, which must have helped you when you went through that redundancy and were thinking about what am I going to do next with my life? Yes, uh, definitely. The adaptability is absolutely key. And I think, you know, as I say, when when you don't know anything different, you um, you do adapt and you, you know, you build that strong exterior and, um, you know, you just sort of, and I suppose that's the British stiff upper lip where you just sort of get on with it. And, you know, that resilience, I guess, is from, my mother's side as well so I can't you know ever take away from what I have genetically um and what I grew up with but definitely my um my own actions and my own moves have helped to to build that as well Mm. and so during that redundancy when you were reassessing and you decided on a business for yourself so that you could, could take control of your career what was the business that came to mind so um in in my previous role, I felt very pigeonholed and, and very, um, you know, focused on one very tight area of the business. And I think what I was craving was variety. Um, and I really wanted to add more strings to my bow. I really wanted to become, um, you know, more aware of the possibilities of, you know, and the potential that I had as a, as a person. So, um I immediately thought of the concierge business. I just thought I love helping people. I love researching and I love, um, you know, trying out new things. And I don't necessarily want to do everything for my clients, but I really want to be that go-to person for their lifestyle. So I started to scope this out and and really researched a lot. And it was really big overseas. And it had only really started to take off in Australia, um, the whole outsourcing ethos and, um, you know, helping people with the concept of outsourcing time consuming tasks. Um, And I just thought, you know, that really appeals to me because it, it taps into that variety that I wanted. But the running of the business would help me to 
develop other skills and you know really tap into whether entrepreneurship and running a small business was was the the dream that I that I felt it could be. Mm. And so how how did you grow the business? Um, I struggled, to be perfectly honest, for for a couple of years. I I struggled with a lot of self discovery um, and a lot of family circumstances as well. I had, you know, a, um, a death in in the family, which didn't help. So I really struggled, to be honest. But then um, encountered um, a business course and the promise of you know, really honing my business skills and really understanding the actual steps that I have to go through. I suppose, for want of a better word, it was formal training um, and the promise of, um, you know, helping or getting someone to help me with the skills that I needed to to build my business, um, which really accelerated that um, that course and actually helped me to to pivot a little bit and niche much, much deeper and further into, you know, something uh, that I do now, which is 100% um, the relocations concierge um, side of things. Mm, well, that's interesting with this pivot concept. So so you're heading down one way and then you've made a big change. What what was it that was your aha moment that, that made you do this massive pivot? Well, I think I'd stayed clear of, you know, what I guess was obvious to so many people, which was the relocation side of things and really tapping into my experience as an expat growing up. Um, as a part of my concierge service, I actually handled an, a great number of relocations and helping, you know, new clients and, and new expats settle into their new life in Sydney. And I just felt such a great sense of reward and I got such amazing feedback from those clients. Um, they just loved what I did. And, you know, I had a sense, they had a sense of me going above and beyond. But for me, that actually came very natural, um, naturally to me. So I just I just felt like I'd found my mojo when I was doing those relocations and, you know, the sense of achievement when you know the kids were in school and they were getting into their daily routine and felt at home in foreign land was was really rewarding to me and um I really felt that you know all of my experience you know led 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 me to that um that strength and and now my business. Mm. I think when someone's moving country and especially if you've got maybe a trailing spouse um, and children as well, it's it can be so daunting when you're going into a completely new culture, you don't know your way around. Little things like where do I find a good dentist or a doctor or a hairdresser? It's nice yeah. to have someone like you to say, look, I've done this before. Here's where you can go. Here's how I can help you to settle in to your new life. And in fact, you've got on your website an online relocation tool called yes. Settle2. Tell us a little bit about how that works. So Settle2 is really um, a one-stop shop for people that um, perhaps have a lower budget or, or prefer to, to do the research and, and manage the, the, the move themselves. So they can... Um, really access the tool and manage, plan, research um, and monitor their progress of their relocation online. Um, so everything from interactive checklists and budgets and a, a vast amount of information and directories and all of the information that you need is really contained in this self-navigating relocation tool. Um, the name Settle2 actually comes from uh, my six-step process which I wrote about in my book um, so the settle 
um, acronym is 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 really um, you know about settling into your new life and the six steps that you have to go to um, go through to actually um, achieve a sense of um, a sense of home in your new destination, which in this case is Australia. Mm, that sounds fascinating. Talk us through the um, the acronym Settle. So settle too. Um, so settle is is really um, about step one, the S, which is sizing up. So sizing up, you know, assessing whether the move is right for you, um, and you know all of the things that you need to consider before you embark on um, such a large move. The E is is really about the is embark, um, and that's all of the essentials um, to prepare stress free. Um, for your departure of wherever you're from. And in, in terms of the book, it's specifically the UK. The two T's are take up residence and tackle the necessities. So that's really the steps you need to go through to actually set up your home, um, establish a routine and, and get all of the, the niggly registrations and admin sorted. So it's really about how things work um, here in Australia. The L is um, Learn the Ropes, which is the guide to settling in and adjusting to Australian life and the culture and um, how things work on a social and environmental basis. And my last E, which I think is so crucial, um, it's really about exploring and discovering your new your new environment. So um, getting out and about and making life, uh, getting the most out of your new life in Australia. So your weekend trips, you know, where to travel to, um, activities for the kids, where to go shopping and so on. So it really is, um, you know, the full gambit um, from A to Z of relocating from where you start off in your, um, you know, your host country to where you are when you're in Australia, you know, the destination country. Oh, that's fantastic. I, I could have used you when I was moving from London to Singapore if you were doing the, the Singapore <laughs> yeah. settle. Uh, that, yeah. that was for sure, because I, I know back in 1986, when I moved from London to Singapore, it was so very, very different. And yeah. I had nobody to help me. And I yeah. had a young baby, uh, Jess, my, my do- older daughter, Jess, was only 11 months old at the time. And it was it was really, really daunting for me to think, oh, my goodness, you know, I've got a baby. My husband's at work all day. He's traveling 30 percent of the time. I've got to settle in and learn the ropes completely. Having something like this settle tool would have really, really helped me for sure. And so your book, So You're Moving to Australia, that came about because obviously you want to help people with it. How's the book going now and where can people find it? Because I think it's a valuable resource. Yeah, so um, the book's doing really, really well, um, Jane. I I actually launched it um, in conjunction with ANZ Bank in the UK. Um, We were aligned very similarly in in our values um, in terms of wanting to help people, um, in ANZ's case, to financially relocate and and for myself to help people relocate their lifestyle. Um, So it was launched officially in the UK and it's done really, really well. Um, It's actually number one on Amazon, which is what it hit number one on Amazon which is fantastic congratulations Um, yeah so it's um it's available on amazon but it's also available um, along with a few um free tidbits from um, the website so you're moving to.com um so people can buy it there um find out a little bit more about the book and and about me um there and of course you know download some some tools and, and and so on to to get started 
Mm. And so now, if people wanted to have a chat with you or to work with you, you've got a few websites here. There's soyourmovingto.com, then there's settle2.com. Yes. And there is the expat, www.theexpatconcierge.com. Yes, that's yeah. right. So they can reach you at all of those, all of those locations. Absolutely, and they they all lead um, to the same place, which is me. Um, and I'm more than happy to to chat to anyone who um, you know, who needs help in you know discovering whether moving um is for them, whether expat life is for them, or whether indeed moving to Australia is is something that um could be on their horizon. Mm. I, I love this book. So you're moving to Australia. Are there more, more books coming up? Oh, I'm pretty sure I've got a few more books in me. Um, I'd love to write more books about um, other countries and, and relocating and, and sort of having those guidebooks for other countries. But um, I'm really passionate about helping businesses and corporates um, relocate their staff from overseas to Australia. Um, so I'm thinking, you know, whilst I might have some more books for, for the actual person or expat relocating, um, I'm also thinking I can help um, businesses as well, you know, upskill their staff and their mobility teams in terms of what's important and what considerations to make when moving their staff um, and their families over. Mm. It sounds like you've had such a great career and there's so much more to come from growing up in Singapore with your tiger mother. <laughs> I, really, <laughs> I really like that. Actually, I have to say it's really funny. One of my clients also, you know, had, had tiger parents, actually, um, <laughs> because I remember when she came to me, she um, she was a, a finance manager, but a very angry finance manager. But when we were talking and coaching, she said that she had two brothers and herself and her tiger mother wanted a doctor, a lawyer and a financier in the family. And so <laughs> since the doctor and the lawyer was taken by the boys, she had no choice but to get into finance. And it wasn't her thing at all. 15 years. And then when there was a redundancy for her, it was like, finally, I'm free. And she went into entrepreneurship very much like you. So, <laughs> so there you go. There's also yeah. something else. I would like to have you on the show again, Sharon, and yeah. talk about third culture kids. Because I think that's a really interesting topic. And yes. for anyone who's listening in who has you know, grown up as an expat brat as such, um, it, it, it's such an interesting uh, conversation to have as well. So would you be interested in having a chat about that one day? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think um, and I think, you know, the, the legacy of your childhood really, um, really can shape your career. And I think if you speak to a lot of third culture kids out there, um, a lot of my friends, for example, that I grew up with, their their careers have taken very interesting and non-conventional paths as a result of their upbringing. Um, absolutely. I'd be delighted to have a chat to you about that. Yeah, yeah. This idea is just bubbling along in me right now. So anyone <laughs> listening in, if you happen to be a third culture kid and you've made multiple changes in your um, location where you've lived, email me at jane at janejacksoncoach.com because I'd love to get everybody's opinion plus Sharon's because I don't think anyone could possibly have made more international moves than Sharon. She is the expert here. So if anyone wants to find out more about Sharon, find her at soyourmovingto.com and 
There's also Settle2.com and TheExpatConcierge.com. Her book is called So You're Moving to Australia. And it's just been wonderful having a chat with you today, Sharon. Thank you so much for your insights. And I'll certainly be be looking out for your, your book everywhere on Amazon since it's a number one bestseller. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Okay. Bye, Sharon. Bye. You've been listening to Jane Jackson Careers. Sign up to receive regular career advice at janejacksoncoach.com. For joining me today for affordable career help, please check out my career success program. I provide a unique blend of online and live career coaching to help you take control of every aspect of your career or career change. If you aren't where where you want to be in your career, let's talk. Check it out at thecareersacademy.online. The links are in my show notes.